So I'm going to ask you to begin to return to your seats after you dropped off the kids, got the coffees. Well, the, the holidays are coming up soon. That's where I got to be careful. Last year, during the holidays, I ate so much, I got so heavy that I accidentally sat on Pastor George's iPhone. It became an iPad. <laughs> oh, that was big. I became so heavy that every time I twerked, I became a wrecking ball. <laughs> that was, oh, that was the one Pastor George told me not to tell because we're live on Facebook. How do we erase that off of the... You, you can't erase Facebook? Uh-oh. So I better start getting into the scripture before I hang myself all together here. So I'm going to read today uh, a story from the Bible called The Parable of the Miners. M-I-N-A-S, or in some translations, it's called the parable of the pounds. Now, a parable is a story. It's not a true story, but it's a fictional story that Jesus would tell in order to teach a, a spiritual truth in a way that's made plain. So I'm going to read from Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 11. It says, The crowd was listening to everything Jesus said, and because he was nearing Jerusalem, he told them a story to correct the impression that the kingdom of God would begin right away. You see, Jesus was about to enter into Jerusalem, where he would be acknowledged as king. We celebrate that every year. We call it Palm Sunday. But the Jewish people at that time, including the disciples, they were expecting to Jesus to come into Jerusalem, defeat the Roman army, destroy them, and set up his kingdom in Jerusalem and to rule and reign over the nations. So Jesus was going to tell a story to correct that because the first time Jesus came, he didn't come to set up a political kingdom. He came, up, he came the first time to die on the cross and to be king over your life, to be rule over your heart. Even today, Jewish people, they don't, for the most part, don't believe in Jesus. They say, well, if he's the king, then why isn't there peace on earth? There is peace on earth, but only in the hearts of those who believe. If you've got Jesus in your heart, then that's where the peace is. Without Jesus, there is no peace. So Jesus was going to tell them the story in order to correct any wrong ideas they had about his kingship. So I'm going to start telling the story in Luke 19, verse 12. A nobleman was called away to a distant empire to be crowned king 
and then return. Remember, this was, a, this was a story that Jesus was telling. And in the story, he said there was a nobleman, a man of royalty, who, went, who left his land to go to a distant land to another kingdom to become king. And what was Jesus talking about? He was talking about himself. Because after he died, he rose again. He went up into heaven where God the Father crowned him with all authority. He was crowned king of kings and lord of lords. And he said, and then return. Well, where is he? It says the king's going to return. Jesus is that king who left, but he has not returned yet. He's still in heaven. We are waiting for that day. How many of you are waiting for the day that at the shout of the angel and at the, at the cry of the trumpet that the church is going to be caught up and rise in the air and be with Jesus forever and ever? See, that's, the Bible calls that our blessed hope, the return of Jesus well, the next few verses tells us how we should live until he comes back. While we're waiting for that day, while we're living on this fallen, sinful earth, how then should we live? So I'm going to read now from verse 13. Before he left, he called together ten of his servants and divided among them ten pounds of silver, saying, Invest this for me while I am gone. But his people hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, We do not want him to be our king. See, many people back then rejected Jesus as king, and they still do today. Even today, if they don't want him, they mock him. They share about Jesus, receive Jesus. They laugh. Jesus has become a... But to his servants, not the haters, but to his servants who are you and me, to each one he gave one minor or one, talent, or one pound of silver. Each one he gave the same amount. A minor was, in that time, was Greek money, and it was about three months of wages. So whatever you earn in one month, just multiply it times three, and that's how much he left. Not a whole lot of money, but he gave everyone equally. And he said, while I'm gone, he said, do business till I come. I'm going to read from different versions. One version says, put this money to work. Another one says, invest this for me while I'm gone. Another one says, occupy till I come. In other words, while we're waiting for Jesus, we're not doing nothing. I see sometimes on Facebook people say, well, I see the storms, I see the evil, I see the signs of the times. It shows Jesus is coming back soon, so we might as well do nothing because things are going to get worse. So we, we'll just sit and hide in the church. No, Jesus says, until I come... 
Be faithful. Press through. Keep on serving. Keep on working with what he's given you. Now, what do those miners, what do those pounds of silver represent? Those things represent talents, abilities, resources, promises that God has given each one. Again, he gave everyone the same. On earth, there is inequality. There's injustice. There's bigotry. Everyone starts off in a different place. Many people here on earth start out at a disadvantage. But if you've got the spirit of God in you, there is equality. You've got the same word, the same power, the same spirit to move forward in your life. Nothing could hold you back. Injustice cannot stop you if you've got Jesus in your heart. Jesus said we keep pressing through. He doesn't do it all for us. See, as Pastor Melissa sang today, God is faithful. Great is his faithfulness, but it requires faithfulness in our part. See, God doesn't expect us to be perfect, but he expects us to be responsible with what he's given us. So I'm going to go now to verse 15. After he was crowned king, he returned and called in the servants to who had given the money. He wanted to find out what their profits were. The first servant reported, Master, I invested your money and made ten times the original amount. Well done, the king exclaimed. You are a good servant. You have been faithful with the little I entrusted to you. So you will be governor of ten cities as your reward. The next servant reported, Master, I invested your money and made five times the original amount. Well done, the king said. You will be governor over five cities. Now these verses here, I'm going to give you a, a fancy term. Every now and then I like to throw one out there, one of these big theological expressions, so you can, you can impress all your friends at work tomorrow. These verses have what we call dual application. That's a big word. And what does it mean? It means you can apply these verses two ways. In one way, it applies to eternity. What it's saying is, one day Jesus is going to return, and there's something called the, an event coming called the judgment seat of Christ. And when he returns, every one of his people are going to have to stand before him and give an account for what we did. He's going to ask us, what did you do with what I gave you, with the life I gave you, with the mind I gave you, with the kids I gave you, with the spouse I gave you, the talent I gave you, the strength I gave you, the creativity I gave you, the finances I gave you? Just as he asked the servants, 
What did you do with those miners, with the finances they gave you? They multiplied it. They were faithful. And Jesus says, good and faithful servant. And because of that, they are going to be blessed through all eternity with greater treasures. See, we, we enjoy this world, but we live for eternity. Every time you, you bless someone, every time you obey God, Every time you sacrifice, every time you give to the Lord, you are storing treasures up in heaven, eternal rewards that you're going to enjoy forever and ever. And what you receive is going to be based on what are you doing with what, with what you have now. There, there's no purgatory where you, get, you die and you go to another place and you get second chances. This life is it. Whatever you do in this life determines you, what you receive for eternity. I'm not talking about salvation. Salvation is a free gift. You are saved by grace. I'm talking about the rewards. I'm talking about what you're going to do, how much you're going to have, how much authority you're going to walk in after Jesus returns. And sets up his kingdom. So that's one application. But it also has a second application in terms of in this life. Not only will you see great rewards in the next life if you've been faithful with what God gave you. But if you want rewards, you want increase in this life. You want greater breakthrough, greater blessing. then these verses show the way that you get it is by your faithfulness. See, in Luke chapter 16, verse 10, it says, Whoever is faithful with very little will also be faithful with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. Now, I'm talking a lot today about works. That's a dirty word in modern Christianity. Works? Why are you talking about works? Oh, God loves me. It, this is about, it's all about grace. Yes, you have the fullness of God's grace in your life. He fully loves you. You are beautiful in his eyes. You are loved. You are forgiven. But that has nothing to do with what God called you to do. It, works is not a dirty word because the Bible says that we were created to do good works. In James chapter 2, verse 17, Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. I can't just say, oh, I love God, I believe in him. I put my trust in him, and, and, and people look at my life, and, and, and I've got nothing to show. If I have faith in God, it's going to be proven in how I walk every day, how I treat people. See, works is it's important. It's important how, how you deal with your finances, with your relationships. 
how you talk and how you walk. This is about increased favor, provision, miracles, anointing, influence, impact. I'm not talking about love, I'm the love of God, you have it. Every one of you, you have it right now, but there's more. How many of you want to walk in, in, in greater levels in this earth to impact society, to have more? There's more to this life. God wants to give you influence. He wants to bless you financially. But he's got to trust you. If he can't trust you with a little bit, how is he going to trust you with a lot? Think, think, of, think of the boss at work that gives the workers some things to do, and, and, and they drop the ball every time. When he's looking to promote someone, that's not the one that he's going to choose. Even in church, sometimes people come to me, yo, I'm called to be a pastor. <laughs> I say, okay, let's start out here. Let's start out in, in the little things. And every time they fall through, oh, I forgot about it. Oh, oh, oh no, that's not what I'm called to do. What they're after is the title and the piece of paper that says ordination. That's worthless if you're not faithful. See, in this church, if you're saying, I want to be a leader, I want to be a pastor, I want to be a prophet, we look for people who are faithful in their everyday walk. You're faithful in the little. And that's how you get increase in the kingdom of heaven. It doesn't matter whether it's finances, authority, ministry. You want more anointing of the Holy Spirit. We got some people here. They come. I'm just hungry for God. I want more anointing. I want to walk in the power. They say, well, what did you do with what you already had? Have, have you been faithful in prayer? Have you been laying hands on the sick? If God sees that you're not faithful what you already have, with the little bit you have, he will not increase you. I'm going to verse 20. You could tell this is one of those really feel-good Sunday morning sermons, right? That gives you the nice warm fuzzies. You just leave here all bubbly. Verse 20, but the third servant brought back only the original amount of money. And he said, Master, I hid your money and kept it safe. I was afraid because you are a hard man to deal with, taking what isn't yours and harvesting crops you didn't plant. The third servant said, I, ha I received that treasure but I just buried it. I buried the money you gave me, the, the gifts you gave me. I buried the anointing. I buried my responsibility. He said, because you are a hard man to deal with, and you take what isn't yours and harvest crops you didn't plant. That says two things. One thing is he doesn't understand who Jesus is. 
because Jesus is loving and accepting and generous. And his second point is, well, God doesn't need me. Why should I do all these things? God's got all these other people. And my wife, she prays enough for the whole family. I don't have to pray. My wife does it all. You, you can't rely on what someone else does. You have to, we have to be faithful with what God's given us. It doesn't matter how much we think, well, God doesn't need me. I'm just, God needs you. He doesn't need your money. It's not the money he's after. It's not your gifts he's after. It's your heart. It's your faithfulness. It's your trust. This sermon's not about money. Even though we deal with it, with money, this is about your heart. Jesus said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. That whatever it is that you live for, the things that are important to you, reveals the truth of, of, of your passion for, and your relationship with Jesus. I'm going to read verse 22. You wicked servant, the king roared. Your own words condemn you. If you knew that I'm a hard man who takes what isn't mine and harvests crops I didn't plant, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then turning to the others standing nearby, the king ordered, Take the money from this servant and give it to the one who has ten pounds. But master, they said, he already has ten pounds. Yes, the king replied, and those who use well what they were given, even more will be given. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. The third servant buried everything that he had, everything he was given, and he had nothing to show for his life. He wasted it all. So I'm going to read a quote from Chris Valadin, who talks about the difference between wealth and riches. Because I, I, I believe this gets to the heart of, of what I'm talking about. He says, wealth comes with an understanding of how to sustain and grow something. Whereas riches gets you the goods without the wisdom to manage it. Riches means I receive and I can hold on to it. I get the money and the next thing you know it's gone. I don't know how to manage it. Wealth means that what I receive, I can maintain it. I know how to manage my home. I know how to manage my finances, my walk with the Lord. I'm, I'm going to show you real-life examples of how this works. See, typically, uh, you don't hear me talking about money because there's so much abuse in terms of the teaching all over with money in the church, but the abuse of a truth does not give me the right to ignore it. If it's in the word, I got to speak it. 
Here's a study of lottery winners. You know those people that win the hundreds or millions of dollars? 70%, there was one study that 70% of them had spent every last dime of their money within five years of winning it. Hundreds of millions of dollars. A study of former NFL and NBA players showed that after only two years of retirement, 78% of NFL players were broke or struggling financially. Within five years of retirement, 60% of NBA players are broke. These are guys get a lot of money. The minimum is like a million dollars a year. But no matter how much they get, there's a big percentage that never learn how to manage it. It's riches, not wealth. They receive it, and it goes right, right out the window. You see, if you don't learn to manage what you receive, that scripture I just read said, you're going to lose it, and then you're going to complain, why is everyone else blessed but me? There must be something wrong with God. Everyone else, they're walking in prosperity and blessing. But what's why God doesn't like me? Why? Because what he gave you, you wasted it. So what the scriptures say, take it away and give it to those who are going to be responsible with it. Now, I'm not talking about extraordinary situations. I know there's times where there's tragedy, there's a sudden job loss, sickness. You might be abandoned by a spouse who doesn't pay child support. Those are the times where we need God's people to help us through. So I'm, I'm not saying that at all times we alone are fully responsible. But at the same time, Galatians 6.5 says that, each one is to carry his own load. We're all responsible for what God has given us. I can't blame God. I can't blame the church or the government. Why? Because with God's principles, if I'm faithful with the little, I'm going to increase. I'm going to grow in what he gave me. James chapter 4 verse 3. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. That means some of you might be asking God, I need money, I, I, I want to prosper, and God's not going to give it to you because you throw out whatever he gives you. We're not faithful in giving. We're not responsible. God might not answer your prayer. You might be hindering your own wealth, your own blessing and prosperity with the way that you manage what you already have. See, money is spiritual. That, that, that's what Jesus talked. <coughs> Jesus spoke more about money than he did about heaven and hell combined. Because how you spend your money shows how much you really love him, how much we help the poor, how much we give, how much we sow, how, how much we lay aside for the next generation. 
That's spiritual. Spiritual isn't only worshiping and praying. It's how I deal with the things of this life. So I'm going to give my own testimony in in dealing with, with these things. And I'm going to start with the spiritual. See, years ago, I, I used to love to go to revival meetings where the fire of God was burning. And I would go. Sometimes I traveled, drive 10 hours to go if I heard that this place where the Spirit of God is burning. And I'd go for prayer, get all on fire, roll around on the floor. I'd go home just filled with the glory, filled with the Spirit. And after a week or two, I'd say, what happened? Where'd it go? What happened to the fire? You know what I did? I got to go back. Let's go take a trip. There's some of you here that I dragged along with me back then. Got to get some more. What happened? It, it all leaked out. So I keep going back. I got to get someone else to pray for me. What happened was I was receiving a measure of the glory, a measure of the anointing, but nobody ever taught me how to maintain it, how to manage it, how to grow it in my own life. So I'd receive it and it was gone. See, I don't have to go running all over anymore because I'm learning how to manage what God's given me through prayer, through worship, through using the gifts that I have. And it's the same thing financially. See, growing up, I never learned to manage money. I know I'm Jewish, and through the years, there's a lot of Racist people that, oh, you're Jewish. I know you grew up with a lot of money. You can't tell me. You don't. That's just as racist as anything else. The reality is that my father left when I was five years old. And by the time I, w- I was in third grade, I lived in about seven different places because my mother would rent a nice place and stay there until, until they were ready to throw her out and then go move to the next place. It's not like now where they have computers and they have references and they check on you. I, I, I once had to watch the sheriff come and take her away to jail be, because she got found out. The landlord found out that she was planning to move, sent the sheriff, And I had to sit and watch her get locked up. So I I never learned how to manage resources. So as I grew up, I said, well, if if I need something, they gave me these nice credit cards. I don't have to be without. I can get whatever I want. Do whatever I want. I became wasteful. By the time I was 18, I was going to the racetrack on a Friday night, and I worked in a factory all week. And and sometimes I'd blow my whole paycheck in one night. 
Why? Because I didn't care about managing the money. Nobody, I had no examples of how to do that. You could remember that show of a few years ago, Deal or No Deal, anyone ever, that's not too long ago, maybe like 10 years ago. And people would come on and they'd have like $200,000 and they say, do you want to risk it or you want to, oh no, I'm going to risk it, I want more. I came with nothing, so it doesn't matter if I lose it. That was my attitude. I, I found that sometimes I'd receive a blessing. So, uh, I wasn't a Christian. We didn't call it no blessing back then. But whatever reason, sometimes I get finance. Oh, I didn't have it before. This is found money. Let's just go out and spend it all. I became a Christian, and I still didn't understand. I, I saw other people around me get blessed. All of a sudden, I was driving an old jalopy that break down every week, and other people are coming and driving into the church with new cars. I say, God, why do you like them more than me? See, there's nothing like a new car. where you turn the key, the car starts. You step on the brake, the car stops. How many of you have one of those joints? <laughs> Until finally I learned the biblical principles that if I was faithful in whatever I did have, in the little bit, that God would stretch it and increase it. I became faithful in my tithing, in my giving. I became faithful in saving, putting money aside. Until about 12 years ago, I received some inheritance when my father died. And instead of wasting it and throwing it away like I used to do, I paid off my debt and I was able to put a down payment on the condo that I have now. If I didn't do that, I'd still be wandering around. I'd still have nothing. If I would have treated that money as I did years ago, it would have been gone like that. Well, it's just found money. It might as well get rid of it. I, I'm not saying that there's never a time to splurge or God doesn't want you to enjoy your life, to go on vacations, to buy nice things. I'm talking about a lifestyle. And I'm going to ask the worship team to come. You see, I got to ask you that question. Because Jesus is going to ask you one day. One day you're going to get to heaven. And Jesus is, you're going to stand before him, and he's going to say, what did you do with that little bit I gave you? What, what about those sermons you heard every Sunday? You know, you're responsible. When you hear the word of God, when Pastor George spends hours every week to, to hear from God and prepare a sermon, and you go home and don't act on it and forget about it, we're responsible for what we heard. 
Again, God's not mad at you. This has nothing to do with that. He fully loves you. You are fully accepted by him. But aren't you ready for some breakthrough? Aren't you ready for prosperity? We can't keep doing things the same old way and expect a different result. God is not going to do for you what he gave you the ability to do for yourself. He's not going to give you more if he knows that it's just going to go down a big black hole. I've seen that even in churches where they just waste everything that comes in. Oh, well, we might as well use it to run after this thing and that thing. And the church has nothing, and eventually the giving dries up because the church was not faithful with whatever they received. And God says, well, I'm not giving you any more. And it's the same thing with us. So I'm going to ask everyone to stand right now. I know this is a hard message. This isn't one of those screaming, shouting, amen messages. But I don't care. Because I want to see you grow. I don't want to see you five years from now stuck in the same situation. God has so much blessing in store for you. So much joy, so much prosperity, so much increase, so much anointing. But what did you do with what you already have? So before I pray, I'm going to ask Pastor Melissa if you could sing that song again about the faithfulness of God. And just allow her to sing this song over you. Let it get in you that God is faithful to his word. You could trust him with the little. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning. New mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord. I'm going to ask you a question right now. Are you willing to make a change? Are you willing to say, God, I'm going to be faithful with the little, with the family you gave me, with the job you gave me, with that little bit of money I have? 
with a little bit of anointing, I feel. Whatever it is you desire increase in, it's going to take a stand. It's going to take a commitment right now before God. You're saying, God, I'm going to be responsible. I'm going to manage it. It doesn't matter how you grew up. By the power of the Spirit, you can break off old patterns, old habits, old addictions. You, you don't have to be the way that you grow. Oh, that's who, just who I am. That's where I came from. That's where I came from. I got tired of it. My, my mother was on welfare and at night worked off the books as a bartender. I, I, I don't want to live in that anymore. When I know there's a God who is faithful. I want to be faithful with my time. I want to be faithful with the health I've gotten. With the little bit of strength I have. I want to be faithful in how I spend my money. I want to think about the next generations. I, I want to sow into the work of God, into the kingdom. It can't just be, oh, I got some money. How can I, how can I, I buy the newest thing? The bigger thing. That's not going to matter in a few years. So if that's you, if you're making a commitment between you and God, and don't do it if you're not serious. Because God's going to hold you accountable to this too. Don't raise your hand in church if you're not serious. Because there's accountability in the kingdom of God. If that's you, if you're saying, I'm going to be faithful in the little, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, and I'm going to, I'm going to speak a blessing over you right now. Father, I just pray right now over each one who has their hand raised, for each one who's saying, God... I might have failed and messed up in the past, but this is a new season. This is a new day. I'm going to be faithful in the little. I just bless you right now with increase. Right now in Jesus' name. As you are faithful with what God's given you, I break the power of debt off your life right now. We cancel it now in Jesus' name. And I decree that you will walk in the blessings and the prosperity of heaven in Jesus' name. Just receive that right now in Jesus' name. There's so much more that God wants to pour out to you. But he's got to know he can trust you. He's trusted so many people with authority, even in, the, even in the kingdom of God, and they used it to control people and to walk all over them. 
So I bless you with abundance. I decree over you that the provision of heaven is already in place in your life. That God is pouring out more than you can contain. And I release the blessings of heaven over you. The overflow of heaven over your life. In Jesus' name, amen. A lot of times I pray for people and they tell me that God, when they come into the church, it seems like God is just speaking directly to them. Like if he knew their story, knew what they were going through, knew the things they were dealing with this week. And I must confess that God did it to me today through this message. Because I was struggling with some things this week even telling my friends, what does this all matter for? Why are we so caught up in paying bills and this and that? Why, why, what is it? Because we're going to die anyway. That was my thought. You know, so <laughs> I'm serious. I was like, I ain't paying no more bills. I ain't doing that. Because <laughs> at the end of the day, I can't take none of this with me. <laughs> See, we even go through stuff too. You know? But I understand now. Sometimes God got to let you know and just say, hey, Remember, because of your faithfulness in the past, I've given you much now. And because of your faithfulness now, I'm going to be able to entrust some more to you in the future. So you continue paying your bills <laughs> because your family need a place to live, <laughs> you know. And you continue being faithful to those that are around you, to your family, because it's there when I see that. It's spiritual. It's not just physical. Because it's then I know that I can trust you with a lot because you've been faithful with the small. And I get that. I get that. I needed to be reminded of that this week. So uh, let's end with this song. Far and wide, but I 
ourselves and we come before you, you see the faith, oh God, and you respond, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, because you've listened, you've listened to a lot of our prayers, oh God. And we are here today even because of the prayers of others, oh God, because you've even been faithful to that. So Father, today we commit to you, Lord will be faithful even with this, Lord, with this most personal thing that you've given us, Lord, this walk, oh God, this relationship, oh God, Father, and we'll pursue it, oh God, and we'll understand what the glory is, oh God, what this fire is, Lord, and how you've given us, Lord, what we need to stay on fire for you, oh God. We don't have to look far, oh God. And we don't have to chase things. All we need to do is chase your heart, Lord. And there is where we find a fire that never goes out, oh God. We find the source, Lord. So Father, we connect to you, which is our source, and we'll never be emptied, we'll never run dry, we'll never be depleted, will never be out of power, will continuously run with anointing from our heads to our toes, Lord. Enough anointing, oh God. So Father, fill us afresh right now. Fill us anew right now, Lord. Just let that anointing on you run down, oh God, over your people, oh God. New anointing, Father, for a new season, for a new walk, oh God. Father, we love you. We thank you. We pray for traveling mercies over everyone here. You are blessed to be a blessing. Have a wonderful week. Yeah.